Let's give a big hand to city groups. I'm telling you, that's where it's at. And as these days get darker, we're all going to need connections with city groups. So get involved and uh, get to know some new friends. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, and to those of you who are online, we're glad you're here. We, we, we're going to be turning to Job 33, Acts 2, Hebrews 11, Luke 1, Ephesians 1. I think that's about it. And uh, let me just give a few announcements as well. First of all, let me just give a, a praise report. The, how many know the Hargroves, Jimmy and Jess Hargrove? Well, we got to play mini golf with them this week along with the Luffs. And they are the new Holy Moly Harbor City Church champions. <laughs> they kicked our fannies, but anyway, that's enough. So holy moly for that, all right. And I also just need to say, the Seahawks beat the Broncos last week. So how many are Bronco fans? That's too bad. I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> My kids are too. And uh, we were lucky to really win that game, but we were so glad we did. All right. And then let me also say, uh, let's pray for our city, September 28th, at the empty lot across the street from Billy's Restaurant. Show up there. It's going to be at 730 in the morning, I'm going to wish to be praying for our cities and our county. So show up for that. And uh, I'm so thrilled for the business people that have put this together to pray for our city. And then also anniversary weekend. I want to remind you guys of that. Forget Friday now. It's full. And uh, we have a waiting list in case you want to get on there if somebody drops out. But it, that's going to be a great night. And then also... Saturday, don't, I, I'd like to ever see everybody show up, whether you're going to skate or not, just a great time to get together from 1.30 to 3.30 and uh, just be together as family at Harborina. And then Sunday morning, uh, Pastor Jenny, uh, as her father's become sick and it's kind of life-threatening, so she's not going to be able to be with us even at the banquet. Pastor Wes is going to be our speaker, but she's going to come to us by video, so you're going to see a little bit of her. And then on Sunday morning, uh, in her place, uh, we have Pastor Mark Cargill, first service, and Pastor Malouf uh, in the second service. And just so you know, the reason Pastor West is not speaking on Sunday morning is they're getting a bu new building given to them, and he has to be back for that. So pretty cool for that. <laughs> um, okay, I think that's it. Oh, I got to tell you about a special miracle. Mindy Carlson, is she in here? Okay, she's still back with City Kids. Mindy put her, uh, about the, the wells and the equipment for the wells in Uganda on her Facebook page, and a lady all the way in Texas who's 80 years old read about it, saw it, and her daughter has two Ugandan children that she's adopted, saw the need, sent in a $10,000 check this week. And I'm always reluctant to do that because... I don't know if they're going to be good or not, but we got the check. We put it in the bank. It's good. And, and so exciting. And so the money that's come in all together, we have enough money for them to be able to buy the well equipment, and they'll be digging wells soon, and you're gone. Pretty exciting. Love miracles. Okay, today as we prepare for our 15th anniversary, I want to take a couple weeks and start a new series called Dream Again. So let me give you the definition of a dream, all right? Actually, before I do, let's pray. I'm just gonna pray today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, 
you would open up hearts and minds to receive your word. I pray your word would be alive to each one here. I pray you'll resurrect dreams. I pray, Lord, that those who have been dormant, they'll dream again. Those who have never had a dream, you will give it to them today. We pray every demon of hell will be pushed back that's been assigned to this place. And we ask God for open heavens in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. All right, here's the definition of a dream. To imagine in sleep, to have a succession of images or pictures or like a movie in one's mind as a sleep or daydream. Uh, So, Job 33, 14 through 17 in the message says this, God always answers one way or another, even when people don't recognize his presence. In a dream, for instance, a vision at night when men and women are deep in sleep, fast asleep in their beds. God opens their ears and impresses them with warnings to turn them back from something bad they're planning from, uh, uh, from some reckless choice. So just to give you an example of this, God does speak in dreams for warning, direction for future. Um, I had a gal come up to me after first service. Her name's Natalie. And Natalie told me about their little boy. And right after a child's born in the few, first few months, they have to get flu shots. And she had a dream. God came to her three times and said, your son has the flu. Don't get the flu shot. Three times. So she got her son up. He was scheduled to go in. And so he take, she takes him in. And she tells the doctor, God told me that my son shouldn't get the flu shot. Will you check him for the flu? And he looked happy, healthy. And the doctor said, well, he looks just fine. But if you say so, I'll check him for the flu. He had two strands of the flu And if he had taken the flu shot, he would have got deathly sick. He did not get it because she had a warning and a dream. I think that, isn't that awesome? That's right here in this church. Okay. So my life has been made up of dreams or imaginations since I was a little kid. Things that that I could see myself doing, becoming, or happening in my life long before they came to pass. Uh, I think my grandmother... uh, on my mom's side, kind of instilled that into me and into my brothers and sisters. She would tell us stories before bedtime about growing up, getting our first car and our first girl that we would uh, date or marry, fall in love with, and then we would bring that girl in our nice car to her house to have our chocolate with her. So when we'd fall asleep, I dreamed of that car and the girl I would marry. And when I got that car and I met Lois, what do you think I did? I took her to grandma's house. And uh, we had our chocolate together. My dad was a dreamer too. He always had a big imagination. He always wanted, he imagined himself, he was five foot three, but in his mind, he was John Wayne, who was like six foot three. And when we go on vacation, he would imagine, have us imagine ourselves as cowboys. He would buy us cowboy hats as we drove across eastern Washington, Montana, uh, Wyoming, all the way back to Denver, and all the way back to uh, Nebraska. And as we were cowboys, we drove in a, a Chrysler Plymouth station wagon, three-seater, with the back seat facing the other way, out the back. And we would have the 
semi-trucks honking their horn and turning on their lights and flashing their, or, or their wind, windshield wipers, all that kind of stuff. They put us back there because they knew we would get bored and cause trouble with our brothers and sister uh, in the front. So we didn't do that. Anyway, we learned the phrase, life is a movie, you are the star, so make it a good one, boys. That's one of the things my dad would say. And my whole life has been a dream like that or like a movie. And uh, we would see it before it's a reality. And if it is from God, we would always be told, do your part and God will do the rest. Now, you need to know this place was birthed by a dream or a picture in our hearts. And Lois is in my heart. And uh, before it was birthed, driving by this place, I saw this building here and I saw this church possibly, and I told us, that'd be a great place for a church. You've heard this story before. You might be tired of hearing it, but I saw it, but I didn't want, and Lois said to me, I thought you weren't going to be in ministry. I said, I'm just talking for somebody else. That's kind of thing. Okay, let me give you a, a verse here about, to help you with what I'm saying, Proverbs 29, 18, from the message. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And I think we're seeing a lot of that in Christians today. We're seeing a lot of that in the leadership of our nation today. When people aren't clear what God is up to, uh, they will mess up everything, and we will get messed up on our heads watching it happen. One translation says this, when you can't see what God is up to, you wander aimlessly. But it goes on, but... When they attend to what he reveals, what he's showing us in our dreams and our imaginations and by his voice, they are most blessed. So my heart is to show you in this series why dreams are important, uh, why they're an important part of your Christian life. And whenever you are clear on what God is doing in your life and clear on where God is going and you're uh, dreaming big dreams, it means that God has a purpose for your life and it'll bring meaning to your life. In fact, one of the most fulfilling things a Christian can say is, I'm living out my God-given dreams, all right? Now, years ago, there was a movie that came out for, for old people, and uh, it was called The Bucket List. How many ever watched The Bucket List? Okay, I'm not recommending it. There's a few sketchy things in there, but uh, it's about two old guys that were dying of cancer and they met in the hospital and they're thinking uh, they only have a few months left. One's very wealthy and one's just an average guy. But while in the hospital, they decided to make a list of all the things they like to do before they kick the bucket, which in their mind was only a few months away. So they traveled the world when they got out to fulfill their list only to, to discover the thrill uh, the thrill-type things that they thought they wanted to do were really not that fulfilling after all. But the moral of the story was this. Only the things that impacted others and other people's lives were the most fulfilling to each of them. So this week, uh, as I thought about that movie, I decided to add some new dreams to my old list that I had. So I got up my old list, and these are some of the things I wrote down. I dream of my kids serving God, and my kids, our kids are serving God. I dream of our girls marrying godly men that I love. I know they'll love them, but I want to love them too. All right. And, and I do love my boys. They're, they're great. I dream of our grandchildren serving God and having godly spouses 
that I will love too. So uh, uh, our oldest granddaughter is getting married, and I love her future husband, Jackson. He's a great guy. Uh, I dream of pastoring a local church that is winning lost people to Jesus Christ and helping them find their purpose and fulfilling their dream that God created them to live out. That's where KFDM comes in in our church. Uh, they are initials that we use, our call letters, I call them. And they, the K stands for knowing Christ. We want to bring people to Jesus. Uh, the F stands for finding freedom from your past and your past mistakes and, and addictions. And then discovering your purpose is the letter D. And then making a difference by living it out with the dream that God's given you. I dream of seeing Grace Harbor come to know Jesus Christ. It's a passion, always has been. And being a part uh, of not only our church, but the local church body to see it happen. I dream of having a church that is a multi-generational, multi-ethnic congregation where all ages and all races love God and work together to further his kingdom with no hidden agendas. Come on. I dream of a church that prays and loves the presence of God through worship and they love the gifts of the Holy Spirit. By the way, don't forget to be here on Wednesday nights. I say this because, listen, when COVID was going on, this place was full on Wednesday nights with prayer. And then, all of a sudden, the weather gets nice. People start having fun. Get your petunies in this building, and let's pray. A praying church will do great things for God. All right. I dream of a church that attracts unbelievers because His presence is here, and hope is contagious, and miracles take place every week, and they are. I've dreamed of Harbor City Church growing to a 1,000 people in Grace Harbor. I mean, oh, that's a miracle, and an impossibility without God stepping in. I, we dream of, of many other things for this church, but I want you to know I can't share them all now. All right. Now, lastly, I will say this. I dream of handing this church over to the right couple when our time is over in this role, and I dream... Uh, of this church going further than Lois and I ever dreamed of, all right? Now, I wrote some personal dreams down as well, and some of the old ones I had were, I dream of skydiving before I'm 70. Lois made that possible when I turned 50. She For my 50th birthday, she bought us skydiving uh, tickets, and we went. And I dream of having my own, I dreamed then, back then, having my own motorcycle, going fast and taking some trips. And I did that. I bought a motorcycle. I got it up to 118 miles per hour. I shouldn't tell you that, but I did. Anyway, and my face was just blowing back, you know, like I was in a jet. It was awesome. And then I took a couple trips with Jim Hargrove and a guy named Tony. I wish we had time to do those trips. They were awesome. And also, uh, I took Lois and Jim and his wife, Lori, we went on a, a trip to the Grand Canyon in Zion National Park and had a great time there as well. After that was over, I sold my bike because I didn't want to die early. All right. <laughs> but I still have a, I have a dream of going up in a hot air balloon, uh, a, a ride, not around here, but down in New Mexico. I kind of want to go down there. Okay. I dream of taking my bride to Rome, Venice, and Florence. Uh, or on a Mediterranean cruise for our 50th anniversary. That's a few years away. I dream of playing five of the top 100 golf courses in the nation. One or two would be fine, though, I can tell you that. 
I dream of, by the way, they cost a lot of money to golf on those things. I dream of watching the Mariners play the Yankees in New York City in person and then taking my wife to the Statue of Liberty and a Broadway play. I dream of watching the Mariners play Boston in Fenway Park and seeing some U.S. history uh, there. I dream of being at my grandchildren's weddings. Uh, And I get to do that this June 9th. Livy and Jackson will be married, and I get to do the ceremony for my first granddaughter. So exciting. And lastly, again, uh, I dream of of seeing my great-grandchildren, holding them, and praying a blessing over their lives. Now, my heart for all of you over the next couple of weeks is for you to take some paper, sit down, and write some spiritual dreams and some personal dreams out. Dream how you want to see God use your life and impact others. Dreams for your family, dreams that are personal, fun things that you want to do, and don't hesitate to put down things that are impossible. And here's why. You, you, when, you, when you dream the impossible, you think different, you plan different, you pray different, you live different, and God loves it because when we believe for the impossible, it means God gets to be involved in your life, okay? He wants to be involved in the process. So my heart is to help some of you dream again, some of you resurrect a dream, and some of you have never dreamed, get a dream for the first time in your lives. So let me give you three things about dreams. Here's number one. Dreams are the language of God. What I mean is, this is how God talks. A few weeks ago, we talked about hearing the voice of God, and let me just say, if you have a God-honoring dream, you've heard the voice of God. And one of the reasons God talks this way is because he wants to you to get you outside of reality, your reality. He, God, God lives outside of the limitations of the physical. He's not limited by the laws of the earth, like gravity or science. So often when he wants to speak to, to us, he speaks to us outside those limitations that we have. And the way he does this, he gives you and I a picture or a movie. All right, so here's, here's a scripture that tells us exactly that, Acts 2, 17. In the last days, now I want you to know, I believe we've entered, this generation has entered into the last days, and that is why I want you to see how critical this verse is. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on who? All people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So in the last days, people are going to prophesy, see visions, and dream dreams. Now, all three of these are pictures that God will put in our hearts and minds of things that have not happened yet. In other words, God wants to navigate his church through this next generation that we live in through these three ways. Now, dreams are the language of the Spirit, and that is one of the ways God will speak to you and to us. Here's the second way. Dreams are the target of your faith. Now, the way you have faith is you have to have an object attached to it uh, that, that hasn't happened yet. So in other words, there's nothing to pray for or to believe God for if there's not something out there that you hope might happen. So you, you have to have a target before your faith can take an action. I have, I've had people say to me, I don't have any faith, Pastor Doug, and I say, that's because you don't have a target. 
You, gotta get a, you have to have a target if you want faith. And one of my jobs as a pastor is to lead you through a faith journey. Look at this verse, Hebrews 11.1 1, in, in the NIV. Now, faith is confidence that what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. In the New King James, faith is the substance. In other words, it's something tangible of things hoped for that we can't see, the evidence of things not seen. So even though I can't see it physically, I see it in my heart, I see it in my mind, and even though it hasn't happened, it's happened in my spirit long before it ever happened. I want, I want this for all of us because this is what gives our Christian walk meaning. And our walk cannot be meaningful if our faith doesn't have a target. So what is that target? It's the hopes and dreams that God puts in our hearts and in your heart and shows us in his spirit, through his spirit, what he wants for our lives and for this church corporately. So this week we had a lead team retreat and I asked our team their dreams, their bucket lists and, and uh, we didn't get far into it but I, but I had so much fun just listening to their dreams, the ones that got out and, and God has brought it to pass in their lives in many ways and yet there's still things out there they haven't seen to come to the pass. And uh, I had fun just looking at my life, looking at the dreams that God has given us dreams that have come to pass in my life, in our marriage, and in this church. And uh, it's so exciting. It's a blast to look back and see what God has done through the dreams that he's put in every one of our hearts. And I love the looking at the impossibilities that God does all the time. Now, one of my dreams is to hand this place over, like I said, to the next generation, debt-free. And by the grace of God, you as a generous body, and I just want you to remember, your generosity doesn't just go for bills and all that kind of stuff. It goes for the dreams that we have to reach the nations. And in that, by the way, outside people have given us those dreams as well. But one of, uh, one of the dreams I've had or one of the experiences I've had is that we are a debt-free church. Come on. So that's been a dream of mine. So the next generation can be propelled into the future without the chain of debt holding them down. So our faith needs a target, all right? Here's the third thing about dreams. Dreams have a habit of coming true. One of my favorite stories is a movie called Miracle. Anybody watch the movie Miracle? It's a a great movie about the USA hockey team uh, in 1980. And you need to know that as they entered into the Olympics, Uh, everyone counted them out. Everybody said, there's no way they can win. Our nation was in need of a miracle at the same time. There was a gas shortage back then. Uh, There was racial tension, by the way. There was tension between the U.S. and the Russians. And interest rates, believe this uh, or not, interest rates to buy a house was up to 21%. So if you think things are bad, they're not near as bad as they were back then right now, okay? And, it, and so America needed hope, America needed a miracle, and it came to pass through the 1980 Olympic hockey team. The American hockey team were made up of a bunch of nobodies, and I think that's, I, I, when I watch the, the movie Miracle, I think of Harbor City Church, I think of Grace Harbor, they, they, they call us the end of the earth, the preacher's graveyard, I'm telling you, this is a great place for God to do a miracle, all right, so this coach 
Hal Brooks puts together this team of nobodies that nobody thinks they can play, and he got fought the whole way through, but he kept saying, I know my team, I know my team, and it was about the team, not any individual. And to make a long story short, these guys came together in unity, and they, they quit saying they played for a certain college. They began to believe, I play for the nation that I'm representing, and as they did, they beat the greatest team in the world, the Soviets, who had been undefeated for 10 years. They beat them by one goal, and then they went on to play Finland and beat them for the gold medal. And the whole nation had a reverse in their attitudes and the way they thought. Now, now let me just say this. God needs another church, another team to believe for a revival miracle in our nation. And I believe America's church, the Christian church, is starting to believe that, and I want to be part of it, don't you? So we believe that God can take this church, our church, and the churches around us, and it can happen again. Revival, God can take a bunch of nobodies at the end of the earth and begin to do something incredible if we will believe it. Look at this verse, Luke 137. Read it with me. For nothing is impossible with God. It's time to believe God again. And it's time to believe God for the dream of the impossible that God wants to do through you and me and through this church. Okay, let's talk about real quickly what stops a dream. Three things. A wrong view of life. In other words, a lot of people get distracted for what God wants to do in their lives and they start uh, looking at their own little reality. I don't have enough money. I didn't get a, I don't have a nice enough I don't have a nice enough car. I don't have a nice place to live. I don't have this or that. I just want you to know that you don't have to get nervous about any of that. God's got you in mind. Trust him. Don't get nervous about the Supreme Court rulings. Don't get nervous about Congress and the Senate and all those kind of things. Don't get nervous about the gas prices, the food shortages, or the increases of electricity and so on. Uh, By the way, it is kind of weird how... One state is saying everybody needs to get an electric car, but they can't use their electricity. Okay, just, just thought I'd that. <laughs> but don't let that pull you down. I'm telling you, it should be that. This should be the church's finest hour. This should be the, us standing up and saying, listen, God wants to do some amazing things, and I want to be part of it. We need to stand strong on God's word. We need to let people know nothing catches God off guard and everything is going to be okay. Preach faith. Stand strong, church. Our God is setting the stage for the church to be salt and light and light shines best in the darkness and the church advances best in times like these. Come on. Come on. Everybody ought to be standing up on this one. Come on. Come on, church. Applaud. He's our God. He's great. There's nothing he can't do. Listen. If, if you and I don't have something bigger in our lives than ourselves, then we become get big and God becomes small. So folks, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Here's the second thing, a wrong view of self. Some of you have gone through so much in your life, uh, like, like Sandy got up and said today, that, that God says you're good, not because of you, but because of God in you. And so some of you have gone through so much that you're thinking, well, I've heard that song a thousand times, God is good, but he doesn't feel like he's good to me. And can I just say this morning, you need to let God stoop down 
put his hand down there, grab his hand, pull you up again, and put faith back in your life. And then you need to quote Psalm 35, verse 1, where it says, Lord, oppose those who oppose me and fight those who fight against me. Come to my aid, and God will hear you, and he will answer that prayer. God will fight for you if you call on him and let him do what he does best. And let me just see this, say this. God sees greatness in you that you don't see yourself. And it doesn't matter what mistakes you've made or where you've been in your past. I'm telling you, God is for you. But here, the problem is we don't see things as God sees and often sees, and we often see things uh, as we see ourselves. And I just want you to know, you've got to get God's eyes in this, not your own physical eyes. That's why we have to renew our minds and not see ourselves as we see ourselves. I hope you see this. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. Now, listen, you've got, you've got to picture God's life for you. If I had followed the script that life had written for me, I would have missed it big time. I was born and raised here on the harbor. We are, we are known, we were, we were known even back, when I was growing up, I met Kurt Cobain, by the way, and his bass player, Novoselic, Chris Novoselic. His mother, Chris Novoselic's mother, cut my hair. So I was around when all that was going on, and they became big time. But let me just say this. We're known, Kurt, Kurt Cobain, as, as, as amazing musician as he was, he was a drug addict. And we're known here as a place of alcohol and drugs. And as, as a cotton growing up here, uh, I grew up in a family that my dad had gas stations, but my uncle and my grandfather had used cars. And one of the things I got often asked as I was going through, through school is, are you related to Cotton's used cars? And my first question to them would be, did you buy one from them? <laughs> if they said yes, I said, they're a distant relative. <laughs> if they said no, I said, yeah, that's my grandpa and my uncle. <laughs> but that's, that's the way it was. So I just want you to know. So uh, also, uh, my brother and I, uh, Pinky and I, uh, it was a big day if one of us got a C in, in school. How many, who's, who are my C people here? Thank God for C people. Okay, how many are my A people? Raise your hands. We don't like you. You keep changing the curve on us C people, just so you know. We aren't fond of A students. You, you mess up that curve, all right? Now, you, you just need to take a break once in a while. <laughs> Pinky and I were applauded for the C's and D's that we got. I know. My mom was so thrilled when she found out we were graduating from high school. She applauded. She was so, she was just like, oh, please, God, don't let them flunk. You know, let them stay. Let them get out. So, listen, my, Lois and our, our, our two daughters, they're very smart. And uh, I, I can't figure it out. I, think, I guess they must have got it from Lois. So I, Lois, Lois. Yeah, yeah. It's all about Lois. Okay. I don't think Jamie and Jill ever had a B. And I said to him, yeah, have you ever had a B? I don't think so. Well, guess what? Neither did I. So there you go. <laughs> and then I, I took a speech class at Grace Harbor College and almost flunked it. But look what the Lord has done. <laughs> so, 
Don't follow the script that life will hand you and write for you. You will be seeing your whole life. And I've used this script many times. Well, that's just who I am. No, that's not who you are. You are who God says you are, and you need to believe what God says you are. Okay, third thing, a wrong view of God. You serve a powerful God, a mighty God. You serve a God that, that, that will do anything, and nothing's impossible for our God. And some of you have started praying boring prayers. I bet some of you, oh, Lord, please help me stay awake today. Oh, Lord, please give me a good day, and please don't let Pastor Dick see me sleeping. <laughs> Some of you have got your heads down, and you think you're, I, I know you're sleeping. Or you're checking the scores of the games, or whatever it might be. I'm just saying, I, I've seen some of that happen in your lives. And so you're praying these boring prayers. But how about saying this? How about praying this? God, send a mighty revival to this nation. Start with Grace Harbor. Let us see thousands saved. Let us send them all over the world. God, start with us. That's a good prayer. How many remember this prayer? Maybe you're still praying. Lord, I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray it's not from a stomach ache. No. <laughs> I pray the Lord my soul to take. What a morbid prayer. Listen, what kind of prayer is that? That's a prayer that needs to dream again. That's a prayer that needs to be woken. You need to pray big prayers to a big God because we serve a big God. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm, nothing, I want you to know, nothing is too hard for you. This is the kind of prayers we need to be praying as we go into our 15th anniversary, as we go into 2023. Nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing is too hard for him. Let me finish up by giving you three, three quick things about a God-honoring dream. Ready? Number one, it will always seem risky. Why? Because it's always a step of faith. Yeah, you're, don't, if you're looking for the easy route, it's not God. I know you're tired of hearing about this, but Lois and I, and my biggest leap of faith was coming back to Grace Harbor to start Harbor City Church. Now, it doesn't look like it now. And uh, I mean, I look out here and I look at all of you and I think, if a pastor's taking my place, who wouldn't want this? It's an amazing place. It, it is incredible. I mean, I, I just want you to know that I believe with all my heart, I mean, this place is paid for, complete, almost completely remodeled. We have a brand new kitchen going in, by the way, with a miracle of $25,000 that was given as a match from somebody who doesn't go to our church. Come on. I have the greatest job on the planet now, but before I came here, I was pastor on Wendell Smith's staff, and I did not want to leave there because I was Pastor Wendell's chauffeur. I would pick him up, take him different places. We would golf twice a week. I, I, I had a condo that overlooked Elliott Bay. A million, it's probably worth three million now, but back then it was worth a million. Who would want to leave that to come back to what was here? And you'll, if you go to the banquet, you'll see the shambles of what this place looked like. And listen, all the bills were paid for. So why would I want to leave that? and come back here, but there was just one problem. My vo wife's voice was ringing in my ears. We're supposed to go back. We're supposed to start another church. 
That prayer group at the lanes kept praying. I did not like that prayer group. <laughs> I, re- I was told to go to the prayer group. Lois would say to me, are you going to come to come back Thursday and go to the prayer group? No, I'm not going to that prayer group. So Wendell looked at me one day and said, you will go to that prayer group. Wendell offered any city I could have gone to, but the biggest problem was I love this place. I couldn't get it out of my heart. And of all the places I could have gone, I wanted to come back here because of the pressing of the Holy Spirit in my life. And in my heart, this building, I saw a year earlier, kept burning in my heart. And I told the Lord, if that building's still available, I'll go back. I didn't want to drive by here. <laughs> Listen, this place didn't just happen. This, this is God's honoring prayers and miracles. We started with 400 people, then we went to 200, then 170, ended up with around 125. We were in a Gideon revival. If you know the story of Gideon, he started with 10,000, went down to 300. We were in shrinkage revival. <laughs> and it felt like jumping out of an airplane like when you skydive. I, I, I didn't want to jump. And I remember Lois. All of them could arch. I had my little turtle belly. I, and the guy says, you can't arch. I said, nope, I can't arch. And the guy goes, okay, well, I have to help you. So everybody goes out the plane. They come out to the door. They turn around. They go out backwards. So he says to me, go up to the door. So I go up to the door, put my hands up like this. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to turn me around and we're going to go out together. He shoved me out. (laughs) I had no chance to even think. He just shoved me out there and I go, ah! He sticks his legs under my legs and he puts his hands, arms under my arms and I actually was able to arch. (laughs) And, and And he goes, are you having fun yet? I said, I'm, I'm slowly getting there. But here's, here's the thing. When you're, when you're falling like that, you don't even know you're falling. It doesn't feel like you're falling. Then all of a sudden, the guy with the video camera comes out in front of you, takes the video of you, shows you that you're scared to death and you're, you're, you're you know, whatever. But I'm just saying, that's how this church started. That's what it felt like. God just pushed us out the door and here we are today. All right. Now, listen, the other thing that felt like is, okay, I'm jumping out but I'm not alone, I'm tandem. Jesus is my partner. Jesus is our partner. And listen, now I wouldn't change it for anything. Leading people to Jesus and telling people about Jesus in parking lots and grocery stores, as well as in this building, going on mission trips around the world, all over the place, and seeing the world from another perspective where it's sweaty and dirty and people can't wait to see you. It's amazing. My hope and prayer is that every one of you will have a dream to go on a mission trip. All right, Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There's nothing like a risky dream God has for you. Okay, second point, a God dream requires God involvement. In other words, if it doesn't, require God to get involved with it, it's not a God dream. You need the impossible. You, you, you just need God to come into your life and give you something. I don't have time to go into it, but Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Uh, uh, 
Okay, let me say that again. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. My prayer is that all of you will experience his power within you and see him do miracles in your life. Here's the third one. A God dream changes lives. At the end of every day, it's really not about owning a motorcycle or river rafting or having lots of money in the bank or going on uh, river rafting class five rapids or a special vacation. They're all fun gifts from God. But in the end, our lives are all about impacting other people's lives. That's what it's about. And your life is not about your job or your money. It's about you intersecting with somebody else's life. And every one of us, regardless of our background, whatever you've done in your past, uh, whatever place you've been in, you uh, have a place in God's grand design for your life. There's a spot for you. The, The spot came first, by the way. And then in Psalms 139, it tells us he created us. He created us and designed us to fill that spot. And that's why everything you do in this place and outside these four walls is important. Serving other people for God's glory is what it's all about. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12. And the message, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs for us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. So God's saying, listen, I had my eye on you from the very beginning. I planned you, designed you. I want us to stand right now. And as we stand, I'm going to put a prayer up by Francis Drake that I think we should end with. Pray it with me. Disturb us, O Lord when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dream too little, when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. My prayer is that you'll venture out and see the impossible with God. Disturb us, O Lord. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. And if I can have older workers come on up and be ready right now. I want all of you to dream again. I want you to begin to have God restore the dreams that the enemy tried to steal, that have been dormant or been dead. God's here today to tell you it's time to dream again. And nothing of that, nothing can happen without your life being completely surrendered to the Lord. And the best picture I can give you of that is this. You move over and let Jesus take the steering wheel. Let him take over and drive your life. Let me just say this. Some of you have done that over the years. You gave your life to Christ, but slowly you would push God away from the steering wheel and you would take it back. And I just want you to know today, it's time for you to move over again and let him take that place. Again, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in just a moment, but it's time for you to say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender it all to you. I move over, you take the wheel and drive my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Just raise them high. Say, I need to get right with God. 
Raise them to eyes so I can see them. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's awesome. I don't see any more than that. Seven. That's great. And for those of you who are online, let's give the Lord a big hand. Come on. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life and be my savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my king. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, if you gave your life to Jesus, let's give these folks a big hand. That's awesome. All right, if you gave your life to Jesus or you need prayer for anything, we believe in the power of prayer. Come up as we sing just a little bit longer.